morning, everyone, and welcome to Rochester Life. I am glad you are with us today as we take a look and celebrate Palm Sunday. And guess what? I've never preached a Palm Sunday sermon before, but I have listened to many. And my many years of Palm Sunday memories include waving palm branches, singing songs with Hosanna in them, and really a kind of a celebratory atmosphere in the air. And as I sat down to prepare for this message, I thought about that party-like atmosphere that I'd always associated with Palm Sunday. And as I looked at scripture, I realized really to a greater degree that Palm Sunday is a whole lot more than a parade and a donkey and some palm branches. So for those of you who may not be familiar with Palm Sunday, it's always the Sunday before Easter and it commemorates Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The day Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey, making public the fact that he was indeed the King and Messiah. And it was the fulfillment actually of Old Testament prophecy, which we find in Zechariah 9.9, where it reads, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your King is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So Palm Sunday really marks the beginning of what is called Holy Week. And on Thursday this week, we will remember what is called Maundy Thursday. That's not Monday Thursday, um, but Maundy, which commemorates Jesus's washing of the feet of the disciples at the Last Supper. And Maundy refers to the ceremony of washing of the feet of the poor. And in Latin, this is the word uh, in which we get our English word, mandate. And this refers to the mandate, the commandment that Jesus gave his disciples after washing their feet, which we read in John 13, 34. And it says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Then on Good Friday, we will remember Jesus's suffering and death on the cross for our sins. While this is a solemn day, it is called good because it's holy, because without Good Friday, there would be no Easter. Without his sacrifice, there would be no forgiveness of sins. And without his love for us and obedience to the cross, we would be a people without hope. So thank goodness for Friday. There is not a whole lot written about Holy Saturday other than in Matthew 27, 62 through 66, where the Pharisees and chief priests remind Pilate that Jesus had said in three days he would rise and ask for permission to better guard the tomb and they sealed Jesus's grave. This was the Sabbath day of rest, so there would be no travel or activity by the Jews until Easter Sunday. I have heard this day, um, Saturday, referred to as Silent Saturday. This was likely a day of processing a lot of what had just happened. There may have been some doubting, maybe some asking, what did he mean when he said that? And and some hope and faith that um, tomorrow would be different. And of course, on Easter Sunday, which we will celebrate in a week, we will celebrate Jesus's resurrection, his victory over death in the grave, and the hope that that brings to all humankind. And that is Holy Week. 
And today, Palm Sunday, we remember Jesus's triumphal entry. We remember what was the kickoff of a game changer of a week. And I've titled the sermon this morning, It's My Party and I'll Cry If I Want To. Now, the title came to mind as I read about how Jesus felt on Palm Sunday as he attended a celebration on his behalf, but did so knowing what faced him and what faced those who would reject him. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with the song for which I borrowed my title from this morning, the birthday girl didn't know where Johnny had gone, but Judy left the same time. And why was he holding Judy's hand? Because he was supposed to be there with the birthday girl. It was her party. She could cry if she wanted to. And you know what? You'd cry too if it happened to you. Now, while the drama of this song can definitely cause a teenager some heartache, it in no way compares with the heartache Jesus felt as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey to the cheers of the crowd. They were celebrating their savior who was on the scene. They were giving their hero honor, but didn't understand the way in which he would accomplish his mission. That in just a few days, their king would be dying on a cross. And many of those cheering for him on Palm Sunday would be shouting, crucify him on Friday. So let's read about how Jesus felt on the day of this parade, this party and celebration in his honor. And we'll turn to Luke chapter 19, beginning in verses 28 through 44. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers by saying things like that. And he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace, but now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. 
Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. In the midst of a day of celebration in his honor, Jesus weeps. Unlike the birthday girl in our song crying over a boy at her party, Jesus was not crying for himself, but for humanity. This was no pity party. Jesus weeps over those who don't recognize him because of what they will miss, because of what they will have to endure. And the word for weep found in Luke 19 is different from the word for weep we find in other places in the Bible, like in John 11, when Jesus wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, which just simply means there to shed tears. Weep here in this passage is the word klaeo. In the Greek, it means to sob bitterly, to sob uncontrollably. Inconsolable, gut-wrenching sobs. He weeps for Jerusalem. He weeps for their loss. He weeps for their future because he knows that their soon coming rejection of him. And in that moment, we see the heart of God for all of us. And this Palm Sunday morning, I want to focus on three things I see about God's heart as I read and as I read with you about him weeping over Jerusalem right in the middle of a party. First, his heart is to bring us peace. Second, his heart is to save us from destruction. And third, his heart is to make a way for us. And while you and I can look back at what happened in hindsight, the Jews did not have this perk. Just like you and I don't currently have hindsight about the things in this life that currently concern us. And while Jesus knew what was to come, his people didn't. And despite the prophet's messages over the years, despite God in the flesh right in front of them, many would reject him. And they would live in turmoil. The temple would be destroyed. Lives would be lost. And many would face eternity without him. And this knowledge caused Jesus's heart to break. So first this morning, his heart is to bring us peace. You know, the Jews wanted peace, but in their minds, peace was relief from Roman rule. Peace would bring them land and blessing and freedom and prosperity. And peace to them looked like a conquering king ready for war. And Jesus didn't fit their mold. The Israelites, as we can read throughout the Old Testament, had a history of rejecting God's plans. You know, they were set free from bondage in Egypt. And when they found themselves in the wilderness longer than they would have liked, they grumbled and even wanted to go back to being enslaved. They were looking for peace on their terms. They had expectations of what it would look like. But God, he had a bigger picture in mind. He had eternal life in mind. You know, it's easy to take a look at the Israelites and think, come on, people, get with the program. God has answered your prayers. Trust him. Grow up. Maybe have a little faith. But hold up just a minute, because when you and I, when we need God to show up in our lives, 
and it looks different than what you thought. When it's maybe not on your timetable, when the circumstances are less than ideal, what is your response? Jesus came to bring you peace too, and he has your best in mind. Do you ever doubt him? Another song comes to mind, maybe for you country music lovers, looking for love in all the wrong places. And I think if we inserted the word, uh, maybe looking for peace in all the wrong places, I think that works too. Where do we look? What do we look to, to bring us peace? Maybe for some of us, it's the money in our bank account, our solid reputation, how zen our surroundings are. Maybe it's who gets voted into office, good health, a relationship. Maybe we meditate. We have peace if we have a good retirement plan or fresh air, or maybe it's other people's affirmation of us. And while these things are not necessarily bad in and of themselves, they do not bring us true lasting peace. Peace of this world, the peace that this world has to offer can only bring a temporary comfort. It attempts many times to numb the symptoms of a sinful world, but only God's peace is permanent and secure and does not change with our circumstances. And I want us to look at some of the words Jesus shared with his followers the days just prior to his death on the cross. In John 16, 32 and 33, it says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And then at the Last Supper, after washing the disciples' feet, some of his very last words to his closest friends and followers are found in John 14, 27, where it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus came to provide a peace that the people weren't looking for, but needed desperately. The peace that could only be offered to us all through the death and resurrection of God's one and only son. And Jesus wants us to know and live in the kind of peace that is found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, when it says, don't worry about anything. And I just want to stop right there on anything. I want you to fill in the blank um, today with whatever it is for you. What area of your life are you trying to exchange the peace that only God can bring for a temporary fix? Don't worry about what? Go ahead and fill in the blank. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about your mean boss. Don't worry about your child's decisions, your finances, your relationship issues, your diagnosis. Don't worry about. Okay, let's get back to it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, 
which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, without peace, we live in fear, guilt, shame, and even downright torment in our souls. And our Savior wept because he knew that in a few short days, the same people who shouted Hosanna and waved their hands in praise to him would reject his offer of peace because his plan was not on their terms. And Jesus offers us true peace. And it's what our Father's heart wants for each of us, both in this life and for all of eternity. And when we miss him, we miss peace. Second this morning is that his heart is to save us from destruction. Let's look again back at Luke 19 and verse 43 and 44. It says this, Before long your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. We see here that Jesus wept over those who would ultimately reject him because he knew what was coming. He knew that their rejection of him would lead to pain and even death. And he knew that the um, Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed. And less than 40 years after Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Jerusalem was desolate. And all that remained of the glorious temple was a single wall. That wall today is actually known as the Wailing Wall, where Jews go to weep over the destruction of the city and the scattering of their people. And when God the Son came to his own people, the Jews, they refused to receive him. And while they welcome him with cheers, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They rejected him just a few days later, you know, where there was a jeering crowd shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And they rejected him to even the point of demanding for his crucifixion. They rejected him because his ways were different than what they had imagined. And because of their rejection of him, they would face destruction. And Jesus weeps because the people do not believe he is who he says he is. He weeps because their unbelief is going to lead them into pain and ultimately destruction. And God has that same heart for you and for me. And you know, a verse that we are all likely familiar with is found in John 3, 16 and 17, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Because of his great love for us, he gives us the choice to believe in him. He lets us choose. He doesn't want robots. He wants followers who choose to love him. And we have the choice to accept him or to reject him. And he wants us to choose him, not because he needs another follower, but because he wants good for us. He wants wholeness and he wants healing for us. And without him, our sin separates us. And that is one thing we all have in common. We're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark. We all fall short and we all need a savior. Knowing that some of us will choose to reject him breaks his heart because he knows the destruction that it will bring. Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Sin brings painful consequences, both in this life and the one to come. And his heart longs to save us from destruction, but it's our choice to believe and to receive. He knocks on the door, but we have to answer. The third and final point this morning is that his heart is to make a way for us. That's why he came. That's why God sent his one and only son. And there's an old Southern gospel song titled, He Saw Me, written by Muriel Ewing. And when I first heard it many years ago now, the lyrics of it just gobsmacked me. And I want to share them with you um, today. On the balcony of space stepped a pure and holy God, and in awesome solitude he stood alone. Not one faint star to give him light, just endless rolling blackest night. But somehow through all the darkness he could see. He saw mountains high and lofty. He saw valleys lush and green. He saw babbling brooks, wildflowers grow, even heard a robin sing. But he felt a strange compassion, as close to love as pain can be. Standing out there in his tomorrows, he saw me. He saw me in his likeness. He saw me just like him, pure, clean, and holy, spotless, white within. But he saw me bound in heavy chains, and he longed to set me free. But he knew if I became like him, he must become like me. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. You see, he has always been thinking about you and he came up with a beautiful and mind-blowing plan to make a way for each of us to be in right relationship with him, knowing we would fall short. He made a way for our restoration. And in John 14, 6, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way maker. And we will celebrate next Sunday his victory over death that makes a way for us to be in right relationship with him and spend eternity with him. And he's also our way maker in our lives here on earth. Have you ever found yourself in a place in life where you thought, I don't know where to go from here. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. And all humans said, amen. When we can't see a way, he can. When we can't come up with a workable plan, He's got us covered. You know, the Israelites saw him make a way for them. In the exodus from Egypt, God made a way for his children. He split the sea so they could walk through. He provided shade for them 
by day and a pillar of fire so they could see at night. He provided food and drink to give them strength. In Isaiah 43, 16 through 19, it says, This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God specializes in making a way when we don't see one. We may not know how we're going to go go through the circumstances we currently face. We likely don't know what trials that we may face in the future. But we do know that God, time and time again, has shown up and made a way for his people. His heart is to make a way for us. And you know, the word Hosanna, which the crowds in Jerusalem were shouting that day, means save us, please. And Jesus was there to do just that, despite the people's rejection. Jesus got on that donkey and rode straight into suffering and death because of his heart for us because he doesn't want us to miss his peace, because he wants to save us from destruction, and because he wants to make a way for us. We have a savior who loves us enough to ride right into the middle of our pain and our suffering and be present with us, who hears our cries of Hosanna, save us, and shows us that new life can come out of the most hopeless of situations. He is our hope. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for coming despite what you would face. We thank you for loving us so much that you gave your one and only son to come so that you could bring us your peace, so that you could save us from destruction, so that you could make a way for us to be in right relationship with you. And Lord, we don't want to miss you. Help us to trust you, Lord, when we don't understand. Help us to trust you when we don't see a way out or through. Lord, I pray that our hearts would also weep over the same things that your heart weeps over, that our hearts would break for the things that break your heart, Lord. We want to say yes to you. We thank you that you've knocked on the door of our heart, Lord, and we invite you in. We want you to have your way in us, Lord. We thank you on this Palm Sunday for coming to us despite the pain and the suffering that you would have to endure, that you came knowing what you would have to go through. And Lord, we just give you praise today. We say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it's in your name we